Hey everybody, it's Will with ScheduleFly and welcome to the podcast. We are very excited today to have Diana Underhill on the phone. Uh, Diana is also, uh, like Nick from last week, Diana's with Big Red F Restaurant Group uh, out in Boulder, Colorado and a really unique lady and actually she has a, I'm looking at her email to me from today with her phone number and it says philanthropy philanthropy slash sustainability queen so uh diana thank you for joining and and uh i want to find out what what that means but thanks for taking the time to do this today oh absolutely thank you for having me so yeah yeah well i want to ask you about that and i want to ask you but there's a a lot of things i want to ask you about but let me let's get started with just your your background in the restaurant business how'd you get involved and um and how long have you been a part of the restaurant business Oh, goodness. I think I started bussing tables when I was 14. So, um, you know, that's a good 30 years now that I've been in the restaurant business in some way or another. But I started working for Big Red F in um, May of 2000 at Zolo, which was our first store. And I started out as a server. And I actually still wait tables there one night a week at Zolo. And then in addition, I um, manage all of our philanthropy and newly our sustainability initiatives for the company as well. Okay. All right. There's a lot to unpack here. So you've been a part of this group for 18 years, which is phenomenal. It's amazing. Yes. Yeah, it really is. I mean, people move around a lot in this business just generally. So, um, so you got, you, you got, you got involved with Zolo in 2000 that was that was Dave's first restaurant it wasn't Dave's first restaurant but it was the first restaurant in the company that became Big Red F yes he had another restaurant beforehand he had the one that was up there off out of town up on the hill I remember him telling me about that in the book that's right Lick Skillet Mm -hmm. Cafe okay yes 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 Mm -hmm. yes yes so Zola was a first of Big Red F so you so then how did you did you just did you know anything about Dave and Zolo or did I mean I know he's got a great reputation now but back then um was it just kind of by chance that you came across the opportunity or how'd that happen it was pretty much by chance um a guy I was dating his stepmother was a financial planner for the chef at the time at Zolo and I was looking for a new job and um she just connected me with Zolo and I got hired and you know, I really loved it from the beginning. I had been working in the restaurant industry for a number of years prior to that, but Zola was so unique to anywhere that I had been before. There was such an emphasis on community and connection with your guests and connection with the staff, and it's it's really an amazing group of people that have worked there throughout the years and continue to work there and you know without a doubt my best friends have all come through the restaurant industry I met my husband at Zolo um I just really love the feeling of being in the stores and that's a big part of why I still wait tables one night a week is just the interaction with the guests and the interaction with the co-workers is so much fun that I haven't been able to let it go. How, how is it different? I mean, what is it, what do you mean about that? Like what, 
What were some things that you noticed right away or, you, you know, that haven't been in the business for a while before that, that were different? Like how, how, how were you all able to, um, to, to really solidify that idea of, of community, of family, of, of getting each other's backs and all the things that everybody there loves so much? You know, I think one of the things I remember, you know, I'd been at Zolo maybe a couple of months and we had a staff meeting and Dave came in. And one of the things that he said was, you all are intelligent and your guests are intelligent. So have intelligent and meaningful conversations with them. Really engage your guests and get to know them, which was so different from anywhere where I'd worked before, where you just kind of roll up to a table and say, hi, how are you? This is special. What would you like to order? Okay, great. Here's your food. Here's your check. See ya. And, um, you know, the culture of Big Red F is really different, really knowing who your guests are, knowing them by name, knowing their preferences, knowing things about their family and what's going on in their lives. I mean, the connections that I've made with guests throughout these past 18, 18 years are phenomenal. I also own a business and every single investor in my business came from the restaurant group customers that I'd waited on or known over the years. And I think part of what makes Big Red F different is that it's such a team environment that you can spend five or 10 minutes talking to a table and getting to know your guests because you know someone else is going to run your food or run your drinks or greet a new table if you need it. So there's a huge culture of support within the restaurants as well. That's really awesome. So actually, you, you mentioned that. I want to ask you about that. So you own a, uh, a yoga business, right? I do. I, I own a, a yoga studio in a small town just 20 minutes west of Boulder. And how long have you done that? The studio has been open for seven years now. Okay. Well, congrats, by the way. So did you... Thank um, you. How did that... That all came together. It sounds like over time, you, you, you were able to get a lot of support from the folks that you work with from your customers. I know you mentioned before we started that, that, uh, you know, Dave was real helpful with that. So I want to learn more about that. Tell me how this all came to be. Yeah, it's actually kind of a funny story. We were, um, we were at a wedding, another coworker in the company and Dave was there. I had been previously working for an international nonprofit organization, but I was looking to leave my job and, um, Dave asked me what I was going to do, and I just mentioned a couple different ideas, and I said, but I have this sort of crazy idea about opening a yoga studio in Netherlands. And he said, you know, two questions. Is there a studio there already? I said, no, it recently closed. And he said, did it close because of lack of interest or poor business practice? And I said, more poor business practice. He said, great, open one. <laughs> and I was like, Dave, I don't, I don't have any money. I, I, I don't know how to do that. He's like, eh, no problem. We'll get money for you. And uh, he said, I'll send you six business plans on Monday. I want you to take two weeks to write a business plan. Don't take any more time than that, or you'll spend the rest of your life writing the business plan. And um, and we'll find money for you. And sure enough, two weeks or. He sent me the business plans on Monday. I took two weeks to write my own. And then within three months, I had all the funding I needed to open the studio. And we opened six months to the day after that conversation with Dave. It was crazy. That's amazing. 
that that's phenomenal um, to have that kind of support uh, from somebody that, that you're working with and not just the you should do it, but I'm going to send you the business plans and I'm going to help you with it. That's where the rubber meets the road. And that's really that must yeah. have been very uh, that must have been a, just a, a very poignant moment for you, I would imagine, just um, and uh, probably just led to I mean, I can't imagine the amount of loyalty you must have to an organization, a group of people that support you like that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, I'm not the only one. You know, there's a dozen people I can think of where Dave has just been so instrumental in helping us and continuing to help us. You know, the minute I have a challenge with my business, Dave is the first person I reach to. Wow, that's really cool. Well, congrats. It's been, I mean, there you go. So you had one that closed, you opened, you figured out how to run the business well. Seven years later, uh, here you are. So that's no easy task, by the way, to do that while also uh, having, you know, I'm sure a very busy schedule with not only just the serving once a week, but all the other stuff you do for Big Red F. So uh, I, that's congratulations. And I know you couldn't do it uh, without a lot of help, but um, that's that's really just what a neat thing. That's nice to have that kind of a uh, diversity and balance in your in your life and your career, it sounds like. Oh, absolutely. Um, without a doubt. Well, what is, okay, so... Um, what does it mean that you are the philanthropy and sustainability queen? What, tell me about your efforts at Big Red F in, in those areas. You know, and it actually kind of came from opening the studio. When, um, when the studio first opened, it required that I was there a lot. But, um, you know, brand new business, it wasn't really paying me a salary. And so I needed something that I could do from the studio that, um, you know, would bring in some income. And so I approached Dave about taking over our donation requests. And when we first started, it was a small, you know, five to 10 hours a month job. And over time, particularly as our company has grown, it has continued to grow as well. So now it's a half-time position at 25 hours a week. And such an amazing job you know I work with some incredible organizations in our communities that do amazing work serving people and we as Big Red F as a company provide a lot of you know anything from $50 gift cards all the way up to catering you know some big gala events for these organizations and from the beginning, Big Red F has always been very charitable. Uh, now we're just a little more organized with it. A little more organized. Well, how, tell me about organizing. I mean, how do you must have a? Because you're not you're in Boulder, you're in Denver. You guys are now in Kansas City. You're all you're in a lot of places. How do you mm-hmm. manage that? How do you determine what organizations to support? Which do you have to tell some folks? You know, we're not able to. Or tell me more about that. Yeah. You know, I think one of the biggest things is that we are, over the years, we've become much better at uh, recognizing what's close to us and what's close to our heart. And a big part of it is working with organizations that help people directly and provide direct care to individuals that are suffering, whether it's, you know, a health crisis I'd say that's probably the the biggest one is health crisis. And we do a lot with organizations that do things for children as well and families when one of their um, children have been impacted by a medical crisis. 
And as we have honed in on that and become much more strong in our support there, we, you know, just tell other organizations that we support them and it's amazing the work that they do, but here's where our focus is. And I think that that's, you know, probably my biggest piece of advice to any other organization out there that's looking to increase their charitable giving is to really notice what's near and dear to your heart and to your organization's heart and then follow that. Because if you're doing too much, you just get spread a little too thin. Yeah. And and when you have that focus, you can do it really, really well and have a a deep impact to things that really matter to you. Um, Absolutely. Well, so is it, so do you do a little bit of, is it donations of time, money, like what kinds of things do you all do? What's an example of some of the things that you've done recently? Yeah, it's donations of time. You know, we try and um, do some volunteering for sure with some of the organizations that we work with. It's a lot of in-kind donations as well. There's an incredible organization called There With Care here in Boulder that provides support to families. And each month, one of our restaurants makes a big batch of soup, well, several big batches of soup, and we take it over to There With Care, and they distribute it out to the families that they work with. And they specifically work with families whose children have an illness, and they provide these little bags of support. And we will go there to There With Care as well, help them assemble the bags, provide food sometimes when they're dropping off food care packages and then additionally in a couple months we have a big event coming up for them where we'll be hands-on serving the food prepping the food bringing it out as well awesome awesome and then tell me about sustainability that's been such a big movement in the restaurant business particularly over the last few years and people are more and more attuned to the you know where they you know what what kinds of practices do they have in place for um, whether it's, you know, how local the food is or there's this stuff with straws now. Like, what's going on with that? And, and what is the, you know, what is the Big Red F philosophy around that? And what, what are you guys doing about it? Yeah. It's a good, it's a big question and it's a big topic, too. Yeah. Um, you know, we're always looking to see what we can do and what we can do better. I think one of the challenges around sustainability is there's so much sifting information and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just different targets. We did just recently switch all of our straws over to paper straws, which was more challenging than I thought it would be in the beginning. And is that um, for logistically or economically or what, what do you mean? A little bit of all of the above. Okay. You know, at first we wanted to get all of our straws on the compostable straws and that was our initial, initial initiative. But the more I started to look into it, the more I realized that compostable straws are not really compostable unless they are in the ideal situation, high heat incinerator compost, which we do happen to have here in Boulder. But a lot of times, straws, if they end up in the landfill, they won't compost. And if they end up in the waterways, they'll never break down. Hmm. So then we realized that serving compostable straws, while it was a step in the right direction, it wasn't as big of an impact as we wanted to make. And reducing straw use and switching to a paper straw 
just made sense for us. It took some time to find the right paper straw. There's a lot of them out on the market now, but one that didn't disintegrate and one that continued to hold structure and look good and still deliver a good guest experience. And just in the last, uh, I'd say probably like three months, we probably found the one that thus far we feel pretty good about and have now gotten it into all of our stores, but also really educating our staff and our guests to um, only take a straw if they need one. Yeah. Yeah. And educating the guests is interesting. And, and um, the, and then the other part of that, it seems like people are just, they're just really educated. Like they expect a lot of you guys, don't they? They <laughs> um, do. They really are, you know, because they, there's just so much information. And it's hard too, I would imagine, because like you said, it's sometimes there's information that's just maybe surface level. And I mean, to really understand what's going, like your example, like, okay, well, yeah, sure. We could, you could have just done those straws and said, we've got compostable straws, but then they're not really. Um, right. but people, you know, the uneducated guests don't know that the ones that are educated are going to say, whoa, 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 hold on now. Wait right. a second. <laughs> and, uh, so that's a, that's a tricky, that's a tricky, um, challenge. It seems like that whole issue of sustainability and what's right, what's wrong or what, you know, what's local, how do you define local and how, what is your foot? I mean, it's a, it's a challenging thing, isn't it? It's super challenging. Yeah, yeah. it really is. It really is. But, you know, the best we can do is just keep learning and educating ourselves and making the right kind of switches. And, you know, going to a paper straw was one of those that was just, it felt good. We knew we needed to do it. And there's a little headache involved in it, but for the most part, pretty, pretty straightforward. And it helps that there's a big national conversation going with it as well. So a lot of the guests already they've heard about it. They know that using a straw all the time, it's become a habit, but not necessarily a necessary habit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, what, so let me ask you this, just, you've been in the business for a while now. What's, what are some of the things that, that you've seen change about the restaurant business over the last, you know, 10, 15 years or so that, um, maybe some things that, you know, are, are challenges and then some things that are, that are positive that have changed over the, over the time? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I think that, um, you know, one of the biggest things that I've seen change is just the quality of dining and restaurants. Um, in a city like Boulder, you know, we have a huge dining scene, a lot of amazing restaurants, and a lot of great competition, you know, that really helps us be on our game to make sure that we're delivering the best experiences to our guests, that we're offering, you know, quality product and making true connection with our customers as well. Yeah, you and, can't slack off at all in a market like Bowl. I mean, in most markets, but the amount of competition you have there is phenomenal. There's a lot of people doing some really great stuff there but that keeps you oh. on your toes it sounds like <laughs> it, it definitely keeps us on our toes yeah. you know and and it's really a good thing you know a restaurant like zolo we're about to celebrate our 25th anniversary yeah next spring and you know if we were the same restaurant we were 25 years ago we probably wouldn't still be here you know there's an essence of what's the same quality food quality service 
but over the years we've really learned how to adapt as the dining market in Boulder has changed too and as the competition has become a bit more stiff. What, how is Zola? I mean, that's, I want to ask you about that. So 25, you, you've got a great brand. You've got, I mean, those are things that people are looking for. So, you know, you know that you're going to get consistently, you're going to get really good food and really good service. And that's what people are looking for. But then beyond that, um, tell me some things that have changed about Zola that have made it better and have helped it stay relevant over all that time because that's a very long time for a, a restaurant to, yeah. you know, to keep the same brand and keep the same focus and, and, uh, keep chugging along and doing, doing it really successfully like y'all have. I think it's a lot of creativity from, you know, our chefs over the years and they've had a lot of support and a lot of autonomy to really come up with their own menus, you know, still holding to some of the tried and true favorites that um, guests have come to love and expect when they come in. But a lot of creativity around the menu, I think, has for sure kept us um, kind of a step ahead. And even just our space, too, you know, what the restaurant looked like when I first started working there 18 years ago compared to what it looks like now. Um, You know, it's just a it's changed with the time as well. And I think sometimes old restaurants don't always do that. You know, Mm. they sort of hold on to what's worked for them. And because it's worked in the past, they assume it's going to continue to work in the, in the future, you know, and and there's experiments along the way and some things that don't work and, you know, it's a trial and error process, I suppose. But I think as a whole, I think that's something that customers really appreciate is it is a restaurant where there is that same amazing food, amazing service and great connection, but yet it's continued to evolve. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, let me ask you this. If you were to, um, you know, one thing I'm really interested in is, is just working for independent restaurants in your case, an independent restaurant group, it's been around a long time and it's, it's grown. It's given you lots of opportunities. And I, I think there's so many opportunities, um, within our communities, within really good, well-run restaurant, uh, independent restaurants or, or groups, because they're always going to, they're going to grow and they're going to have new opportunities for people that work really hard there. But what would you say to people that are thinking about getting into the restaurant business or maybe to somebody that's thinking they're just going to do it just because they need a job for a little bit, you know, as a Passover before they do something else? What, what sustained your interest in it for all these years? I think it's really the connection, the people, the human element of it for me that has felt so strong. Um, you know, definitely with my coworkers um, the culture in Big Red F really is that of a family, even though it's sort of like a cliche thing to say, but um, we're really there for each other, you know, and that's pretty phenomenal. And um, beyond the connections with each other as a team, it is a connection with the guest as well. And, you know, Dave has this thing where he talks about every night in our restaurants we're throwing a party and everyone that walks through the door we want to interact with them and treat them as though they've just shown up at our house for the party we're throwing because Mm. that's what they're doing yeah and um yeah it's really it's just such an amazing way to to know people interact with people and 
you know, for me personally, I still really just love being in the front of the house once a week and, you know, making somebody's day by a quality experience. I think that, you know, for someone looking to start out in a restaurant, you know, if it's just a job you're doing while you're getting through school, which is what it was for me initially, I think it's to remember that as much as a restaurant is interviewing you, you're interviewing them. Hmm. So making sure that it's a culture that fits for you and fits for your personality and, um, you know, that there's a good vibe in the restaurant that you can tell the people that work there are happy and they're psyched to come to work as well because there's a lot of places out there, even as a diner, you go in and you're just like, man, this kind of sucks. No one's having fun around here. Yeah. Which is um, definitely not the vibe at our restaurants. And I think that's for sure what's held me here for this long is that um, just true, authentic connection. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can tell that. I can tell talking to Nick uh, last week as well. And it's something that it made me think, you know, I was, it would occur to me, gosh, if you were applying for a job in a restaurant, you, you really need to have the opportunity to talk to people that work there, you know, to get like, what is it like here? What's the culture? You know, like to really get a sense. um, uh, Because it's, you know, when you can find that, I mean, you found something, I mean, you've been there 18 years. You went from, you know, you were a server. Now you've got this really cool job within the business. You've, you know, you've got support from the people you work with and work for to start your own business. And now you've got, I mean, that's a great story. You know, that's, all all organically grown out of being a part of a you know a good organization that you realized early on was a, a good place to be and um then making yourself a great part of the team and and an irreplaceable part of the team and and look what happens it's a it's just such a cool story dan it really is it's neat to hear oh, that thank you yeah yeah i definitely feel very very fortunate and it's you know one of those funny things like man what if i had never applied right at solo <laughs> like what would my life be like so yeah, I definitely feel very fortunate. That's awesome. That's awesome. What else, anything else on your mind before, I mean, I don't want to keep you real long because I know you're busy, but is there anything else you uh, maybe I, I should have asked or I hadn't thought about or that you'd like to talk about? Uh, you know, nothing that's jumping out at me at the moment, but, you know, I'm always happy to chat more or, you know, come back for another podcast. No, that's cool. I just, I always like to make sure sometimes I realize five seconds after I got the get off the phone, oh my gosh, I should have asked this, but, um, you have a really cool story and it's very inspiring and you clearly love what you do and you love the, the organization that you're a part of. And, you know, you would hope that for, for anybody that gets into a business, a restaurant business in particular, in this case, that you've got that kind of support, uh, from the top down, not just from your teammates, but from the folks that run the organization and, um, Clearly, y'all have that there. So it's just these kinds of stories are just so wonderful, and there's so many of them out there. So I, I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and uh, I uh, I just once again I, I congratulate you. I think you're I think that's phenomenal that you've been able to you know diversify your life to have uh, your own business and, and continue to work there. And um, just I tip my hat, and you're inspiring. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Well, yeah. It was a pleasure to pleasure to talk with you. All right. Well, thank you. And we'll talk again soon. And um, just appreciate the chance and have a good one. Enjoy the rest of the day out there in Boulder. Absolutely. You as well. All right. Take care. Ciao.